Once again, happy Mother's Day to, to all the women who've cared for, corrected, and calmed us over the years. Thank you. And please know, we'd love nothing more than to take you out to lunch at your favorite restaurant and then give you the rest of the day in peace and quiet. But we can't because there's a worldwide pandemic and basically everything's closed. Sorry, Mom. But we might be able to get you some peace and quiet. I don't know if you heard this, but the governor just issued an executive order that special masks must now be worn by children while at home. It's true. And we have a picture of these masks. There it is. You, you just place it over their mouths and everyone stays sane. I mean, safe. Everyone stays safe. For real though, we love you. Today, we are continuing our discussion of issues that millennials and members of Gen Z have told us are of most importance to them. And today, we're addressing this question. What's the importance of marriage and family? For young adults today, skepticism around marriage and skepticism around family are at all-time highs. And their participation in these two institutions is at an all-time low. Uh, two weeks ago, the National Center for Health Statistics released some new data. It said that the marriage rate in the United States is now at its lowest point in recorded history. There are just 6.5 marriages per thousand people. And compare that to 1946, when there were 16 per thousand. Likewise, the birth rate here in the U.S. is at its lowest point ever. Uh, there are just under 12 births per thousand. At its peak in 1950, the birth rate was more than double what it is today. The data doesn't lie. Th those who are in their 20s and 30s right now are looking at the prospect of having a spouse and kids, and in unprecedented numbers, they're saying, no, nope, it's not for me. And if that's you, if you're watching, I want you to know that, that we're not here. I'm not here to judge you harshly for feeling that way. But I do have a question for you. Are you open to seeing these things? Are, are you open to seeing marriage and family from a different perspective? Because if so, what you'll find is that the Christian take on these things is more hopeful and meaningful than what's being offered by our culture. The Christian faith is not skeptical whatsoever about marriage and family. Instead, the, the Christian faith elevates and celebrates marriage and family. One of my favorite moments in the book of Genesis is when Adam is introduced to Eve. God has determined that, that it's not good for a guy to be alone. Truth. So he takes Adam on a tour looking for a partner, and nothing will work. Nothing will provide him with the kind of relationship that he needs in order to thrive. But then God presents Eve, another human, to Adam, and listen to his response. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now, now those two words, at last, tell you everything that you need to know. Adam is presented with the opportunity to have a deep lifelong connection to someone who shares his human struggle, with whom he will become one flesh and build a family that shares their flesh. 
And seeing this, something deep in his soul says, yes, this, this is what I want. Married guys, do you remember the moment in your wedding when they opened the doors of the sanctuary and you saw her? You saw her walking your way and you thought, this is for me? That's what Adam was feeling. Or remember the moment that you, you held your son for the first time and this like switch flipped in your head and you immediately thought, I would die for this thing. I would die for this kid right here, right now. That's what Adam was feeling. And keep in mind, at this point in history, the only other relationship that Adam had was with God. So the point the Bible is making is that the relationships that can be found in marriage and family can do something, accomplish something in us that not even a relationship with God can do. Look, all relationships have power and importance, but these relationships, they, they have a unique power. Second only to God, there is no relationship more potentially satisfying than these. And you don't have to be a super religious person to know that, to, to grasp that. And the Christian view of marriage and family doesn't deny that. It, it celebrates that. Now, now, I believe that what's making it so difficult for many to notice and appreciate the uniquely powerful nature of marriage and family is an attitude, a, a mindset that is pervasive in our day and age. It's a way of, of seeing things that has sway over just about all of us who are alive right now. And it's an attitude that is especially corrosive to our understanding of relationships. And that way of seeing things is consumerism. To have the mindset of a consumer is to be constantly asking this question. What's in it for me? There, there is a hyper-focus on the rewards something can give to you. And in our day, the primary rewards that people are looking for is to maximize their potential and achieve a feeling of joy. And if you sense that those rewards might not be coming your way, or that something better might exist to help you attain them, then in our culture, you're justified in jumping ship and pursuing the other thing. And look, we're all guilty of this. We all have this attitude. I mean, how many of us have gotten the sudden urge for, for a new piece of clothing, a new phone, or a new car? Not because the one we have doesn't work anymore, but because we're just not feeling it anymore. Me too. Those are typically, by the way, the moments that mom steps in and asks, do you need a new phone or do you just want a new phone? What I need is for you to not ask such logical questions, mom. Consumerism is the air we breathe today. And so it makes sense that, that many of us breathing this air would then be skeptical of marriage and family because marriage and family require two things that consumers really struggle with, long-term commitment and transparency. Marriage and family are supposed to be forever. That's commitment. Which means that when the younger girl in the office shows up or the better behaved kid moves in next door, you don't get to trade in or bail out. You're committed. And consumers hate the idea of missing out on something better. Likewise, in marriage and family, people are going to see the real you. They're gonna see the, the, the fresh out of bed, in a bad mood, ugly, gassy, selfish, and screwed up you 
a lot, like way more than they want to, because it's part of the deal. But for consumers, that's risky, because if they see too much, they might want to bail on you. But here's what I long for my younger brothers and sisters to know. The commitment and transparency of marriage and family, they make perfect sense when you wrestle with them in the framework of the Christian faith. Christianity views relationships not from the standpoint of a consumer, but with a belief in covenant. A covenant was a form of agreement relatively common in the ancient world, and you see it abundantly in the Bible. A covenant was an agreement, an agreement between two parties who forged a relationship in front of God, whereby they made a commitment to seek the welfare of the other party. And yes, there were benefits and rewards involved for both, but in covenant, the, the benefit and the reward that comes to you isn't really the primary emphasis. In covenant, the emphasis is on blessing the other and protecting the relationship. Uh, a covenant was, in many ways, the anti-transaction. Uh, each party would commit to keeping up their end of the agreement even if the other person failed. Uh, the language of covenant was something like this. Even if you fail me, I won't fail you. I'd sooner die than let this relationship down. And if you listen closely, you, you see that kind of language uh, reflected in Christian wedding vows. Uh, Christian vows are not overly sentimental. They're not focused on how awesome the other person makes you feel or how your life together is going to make everyone else envious on Instagram and TikTok. No. The vows are all about a realistic picture of the future, a future filled with some difficulty and frustration, and then saying to your partner in front of family and friends and God, look, even if you get poor on me, even if you get sick on me, even, even when you're, you're about to die on me, I will keep giving to you. Now, the Christian view of relationships is influenced by the most famous covenant of all, a covenant between God and Abraham. In Genesis 15, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'll be your God and you'll be the father of my people, a people that would eventually turn into what we now know as the church. And Abraham was like, deal. And so he began the process of, of making or cutting a covenant with God. It involved cutting a series of animals in half. Remember, this is the ancient world. Cutting a series of animals in half and then lining the pieces up on either side of a short pathway. A path that would then quickly become filled with blood. And the participants in the covenant relationship would then walk that bloody path as a way of signing their names to the deal while also saying, look at these animals. May this happen to me if I ever fail you. Heavy, right? So Abraham gets it all ready, and then something strange happens. God causes him to fall asleep, like deep sleep, like dude is snoring and needs his CPAP sleep. And while he's out, listen to what happens. This is Genesis chapter 15. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. That represents God. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, I give this land. So Abraham is sleeping, and God appears in smoke and fire, and God all by himself walks the bloody path twice. 
God signs his own name, his own life to the covenant two times. And Abraham doesn't have to do a thing. It was God's way of saying, not only will I keep my promise to you, but if you fail to keep your promise to me, I'll keep going and I'll pay the price for you. And of course, what happens? Fast forward into history and Abraham fails and his family fails and God's people fail and you fail and I fail. And then along comes Jesus, God's own son, God in flesh. And rather than hold Abraham and all of us accountable, God's son walks a bloody path to a cross. And he pays the price for us to restore the relationship. And so now you are forgiven and I'm forgiven and we're all part of Abraham's family. Not because we kept up our end of the deal with God and gave him everything he wanted. No, he's not a consumer like that. It's because even though we failed, he chose to give and to serve and to love us anyway. That's a covenant. And what we believe is that when God designed marriage and family, that's the kind of love he had in mind. Now, I know that that kind of love is scary and risky and so costly. I get it. But when you dive into marriage and family and you're willing to say, it's not about me getting my reward, but me doing whatever it takes to bless and to serve and to keep this covenant with you, look out. Because these relationships will deliver things that you can't find anywhere else in such supply. These relationships will satisfy you, they will sanctify you, and they will dignify you. First, if you're willing to be seen warts and all by your spouse and kids, if you're open to them seeing the real you, and then asking for and receiving forgiveness and grace and acceptance from them over and over and over, you will experience true intimacy. And that, that is what your heart is longing for. You may think you want a lot of other things in this life, but listen to me. What you need is to be truly seen and fully accepted, and that will satisfy. Likewise, if you're willing to share your life, like every boring aspect of every boring day with other sinners, your sinner of a wife and your little sinner kids, and endure the endless collisions that occur between you, it will tire you and it will stretch you, but hear this, it will change you for the better. To be sanctified is to become holy, to have your rough edges and your selfish impulses sanded down, like rocks in a tumbler that collide a thousand times, but in the end they are smooth and beautiful and worthy of wearing. That's what marriage and family with commitment and transparency will do for you. And lastly, it will dignify you. When covenantal love is lived out, it builds a system whereby each person helps ensure that the other person receives the treatment and the care and the respect that they deserve. It protects your dignity. It's the elderly husband ensuring that his bride of 65 years is dressed and fed and put together the way she'd want to be if she could still do it herself. It's the adult children ensuring that dad's yard is mowed and that his meds are right, because if left alone, he'd break a hip trying to trim the weeds and he'd forget to take his pills. It's the husband who corrects the cocky eighth grade son and helps him to show mom the respect that she deserves. It's the bride who speaks confidence and courage into her husband, 
who is constantly underestimating and doubting his abilities and skills. Have you ever received that kind of love? Do you want that kind of love? Of course you do. But, but you can't get there if the only question you're ever asking of the world is, what's in it for me? And, and is this sparking my joy? You only experience this when you commit yourself to loving someone else the way God loves us, fighting not for your reward, but giving, exposing, and risking all for the good of the other. What's the importance of marriage and family? Is it worth it? Look, to my young friends, is it worth it? It absolutely is. But there's no way to minimize the risk or the pain or the commitment that comes with it. You can't. That's not how love works. I'll close with some words from C.S. Lewis. He once wrote this. Listen closely. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket of your selfishness. But in that casket, it will change. It will not be broken. Worse, it will become impenetrable. If you choose not to love like this at all, look, your heart will be safe, but safe hearts are hard hearts, my friends. If you don't know how to do this, just look at Jesus. He's the model for this. And if you don't know if it's worth it, look at your mom and ask her. And she'll tell you honestly. She'll say, sweetie, it's so tough, but it's so worth it. And no, you still don't need a new phone. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in so many ways, the, the love that is required in marriage and family and really in every meaningful relationship, it, it is counterintuitive to our, to our broken human instincts. We want to enter into every relationship looking out solely for ourselves and trying desperately to ensure our own joy. But, but you tell us, you show us in Jesus Christ that, that real love seeks the flourishing and the joy of the other person that you love first and foremost. And this is a hard thing for us to live out, but we pray that you would, you would help us to do it for the sake of those that we love, for the sake of our, our, our own flourishing and our own satisfaction and for the sake of us also growing, growing more closely to you who loves us like this. Father, we, we pray for every marriage and family that's represented in this moment. We ask that you would bless them and you would help them to love sacrificially. Help them to keep going on the toughest of days and to seek out wise counsel and great help when it gets really, really tough. And for those who, who are not married, who, who don't have kids, and who perhaps are not called to those things, help them to grasp and understand and appreciate that, that everything we've talked about is true of every relationship, and that deep meaning and purpose and joy is available to all of us in relationships 
as we follow the pattern shown to us and given for us in the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.